It's a classic American story. A poor boy from the middle of nowhere making it big. Chuck Bundrant, originally from Tennessee, would make his way to Alaska, known as the Last Frontier, to found what is today the largest seafood company in North America, with estimated sales of near $2 billion. Bundrant established Trident Seafoods in 1973 along with partners Corin Ness and Mike Jacobson with a very simple and yet very complex idea to harvest and process crab on the same vessel. That had never been done before. And from that first vessel, the 130-foot Billiken, Bundren and his partners steadily grew Trident Seafoods into what it is today. And what it is today is a company with presence across multiple countries, operations in China, Germany, Japan, all over the United States, has 9,000 employees, and it harvests, processes, and supplies nearly every single commercial species of Alaska fish. Bundrant died in 2021. He succeeded in the CEO chair by his son, Joe Bundrant. The company celebrates its 50th anniversary next week, so we sat down with Bundrant to ask about the company's past, future, and how to fill the shoes of a larger-than-life founder and father. Thanks for sitting down with me, Joe. Um, so 50 years is a very long time for any company. Uh, certainly for a private company to remain under the same family ownership. Um, now, tell me about your father and what you remember when when you were growing up. What's uh, what's one of your earliest memories? My early recollections of my father. Uh, I remember sailing north on the Billiken, eight years old, from Seattle to Ketchikan. He, he let some friends of mine and I sail up with him with the crew, and we were a bunch of rambunctious kids and and. Uh, my dad was always always busy and always focused. But you have to realize is not only did he catch and process it, see, he also sold it to restaurants, to seafood markets, to neighbors. It wasn't it wasn't just like he had this this distribution business. He he had to build that as well. So that was uh, the earliest recollections I probably have of my dad is is uh, sailing up to Alaska and just how focused he was, how busy he was, what a great leader he was, and. And when he'd get home, we'd have to go go sell this this stuff as well. You know, as you were growing up, when did you kind of get the sense that this company was getting big? Because I'm sure as a kid, it was just your dad doing what your dad did, your family doing what your family did. It was just it was just growing up, right? Right. I mean, I I've, I've shared this with you before. I started going to Bristol Bay when I was 13 and spent my whole junior high, high school, and college years there, and um, and really I. Probably, I, I never realized the size and scope of Trident until we merged with ConAgra. It was just a family fish, fish business, and um, we just did what we did. And, and again, going back to those early days, there was no computers. Everything was done on lot cards and typewriters and telexes. And I remember begging Dad to buy our first fax machine. And he said, what do we need a fax machine for? So, so people could fax this orders. He said, can't you just pick up the phone and call them? <laughs> and, uh, and so just, just the, the, the journey that we've been on from, from that to where we are today is truly humbling. And, uh, and, and uh, my real mission for this, this year, this 50th year, is to thank everybody. And, and that goes for, for you and, and, and your team. It's, it's everybody in this industry who has made Trident better uh, from the communities that we get to operate in Alaska to our independent fishermen. Certainly, we're nothing without them uh, going to sea and pulling stuff across the rail. The employees that we've had that that uh, whether you've been with us, uh, you know, uh, 
two or three weeks or 47 years, they, uh, they're part of the Triton family and our customers are, you know, in 50 countries around the world. It's truly, truly humbling. And our competitors that make us work harder every day, guys like John Conley, who helped shape the industry. I'm just, I'm truly the, the appreciation that has flown out of me is, is, uh, is it's, it's a bit overwhelming, but, um, in that same breath, I'm unbelievably optimistic about what this, the future of this industry and trade and hold. You know, there, there are fewer and fewer CEOs and people in management and seafood that, um, kind of started off on the vessels. And to me, it's, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a shame. That's part of, you know, industries, um, progressing and professionalizing, I guess, but, what do you think the difference is? You're a family-owned company. You've stayed a family-owned company. What do you think the difference is when you when you come from from a, a place where you're you're on the vessel uh, and to growing with the with the company? How is that different? You think than than other seafood uh, companies? Well, I, I first of all, let me agree with your comment that it's going to be different for the next generation than it is here. Um, you only get to pioneer a land once, right? And, and Alaska was the, the last frontier. And I don't know if you've ever read the book Outliers, but uh, Bill Gates said that if he would have come along five years earlier or five years later, he would have missed the timing. Uh, and, and Steve Jobs, the same thing, that, that their experience that led up to that time of life where computers or in my dad's cape fishing and those opportunities that presented themselves. My dad's, you know, growing up on a farm and uh, and his very humble and and conservative approach, you know, on a, in a farm, you you uh, you you have a good year and you're saving because you don't know what the next crop is going to going to bring. So that mentality of saving for um, next year, not knowing what next year is going to bring, I think the timing of my dad showing up in Alaska, certainly his work ethic, um, his drive, his determination. Um, his farmer's mentality of saving, and, uh, and certainly his ability to um, create, invent um, the charisma that he had to, to to reach across any segment from political to other fishing companies to to be on the you know the the, the wheelhouse of a ship and then go negotiate a deal with ConAgra. There's not a lot of people. I mean, he never had a college education that that had that type of intestinal fortitude so i think you're right it's gonna be, they broke the mold when they when they uh um when they made chuck bundert that's that's for sure uh to answer your question about about um coming off the the, the deck of a vessel i think it gives you great ability to be a servant leader um I, all of our five children have spent at least two summers in alaska on boats and in plants it's part of our family commitment to this company, to this industry, and, and it starts off there and get a college degree, go work somewhere else for, for a while, and then uh, you must have the heart of a servant leader. And if you haven't stood on a processing line with somebody or on a boat, you're cold, wet, and tired, and, and uh, yeah, and, and, you know, it's hard to, to I, I would find it hard to lead people um, with without that experience, and I feel really blessed that I got to grow up with my dad in Alaska and then travel the world with him, creating new markets and, and uh, integrating ourselves to you know, other countries and in Germany and Japan and China and just building this great company from, from the deck of the Billiken to, uh, to where we are today. It, it's um, quite humbling to, to think about it. So, so 
you know, just because your last name's Bundrant, then you don't immediately go into Trident. So you have to, if you ever want to, during high school and college, you have to spend at least two summers in Alaska. You have to get that college degree. My dad started, never finished. I started, never finished. And I just think that foundational education, I'm really proud of our children for, for that. And then go work outside. The, the two, my two daughters who work here, I think you've met them both. One spent a uh, significant time with Allergan Pharmaceuticals and the other one, um, the other one at PepsiCo. And they're handling important segments of our business now, our human nutritional and pet uh, supplement business. And then a big chunk of our food service distribution, the other one is. And then I think you've met my son Lawson, who, who he's been fishing since he was 14. He just had a very successful uh, Bristol Bay season and uh, and trying to determine what the next chapter of his career looks like. So really proud of our, our kids, all five of them. So that's, uh, that's the journey that, that being part of this family is all about. You know, when you look ahead to the next generation, I mean, the family companies, it's always it's always hard, and especially I think when you um, get to the third generation. Um, but how do you, how do you think about that? You know, when you're when you were talking with your dad, when you're talking around the dinner table or whatever, how can you plan ahead for that succession? Kind of not knowing if this is going to be right for your kids. Is it sort of an open choice for them? Hey, you can work here if you want to. Um, and what do you think? What do you think the, the next generation is going to be uh, for for Trident? Are they going to be um, sitting in your chair? So, uh, I left out the fourth and most important part of um, our family journey. You know, rubber boots and dead fish training, college education, outside experience. But most importantly, is the heart of a servant leader. And if you come into the office and say, "Well, what do I get if I want to work here?" You're not ready to come here. If you come here and say, this is how I can serve the organization. This is how I can make it better. Um, I'm, I'm ready to serve. Then, then it's time. And, and that heart of a servant leader and making the organization better. Whether there is a family member that that wants to lead the organization or not, um, we are stewards of this business as shareholders, and that is something that's ingrained in all of them. And I know that they are committed to the Triton family. All of you know that goes for my sisters and their kids as well. That I we have a uh, that that commitment to to the Triton family. And when I left Triton for seven years and came back, Drew, my dad was buying out ConAgra, and he said, "I want to make this uh, a multi generational family business." He said, "Son, you've proven you can do things on the outside, but I want you to come back and you start a business for your ego. You can you know set your own hours, be the man." Um, second stage of owning a business is fear. You've taken on all this responsibility, this debt, and you've made commitments to people. And man, if you fail, it's pretty damn embarrassing. He said, but the third stage, and it's where I'm at, is responsibility. All, all these, he said, I never built Triton Seafoods. The Triton family built Triton Seafoods. The Triton stakeholders built Triton Seafoods. And we owe it to them to, to make sure that they got a bright future and a stable future. And so I want you to come back and make sure that we build the right governance, we build, build the right people, and just prepare this company to, to, you know, build to last, if you will. And so to answer your question, um, I'm proud of all five of our children and my nieces and nephews. And I don't know that that if or if they will or not, but we're structuring the company with great governance and, and the Triton family will will um, will lead this organization. So tell me about the uh, tell me about Conagra because I think it's interesting that you know. Um, 
Trident, again, has remained a family company. I'm, I'm assuming there's many, many times and many, many approaches over the years. Um, mm-hmm. what, what, what was it you think about that that you felt like, no, or that your dad felt like, no, this, is, this needs to be a family-owned company? Yeah, I think I think it came down to people, and 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 um, that to finish that story about um, about that responsibility. And he he said, "I want you to come back. I want to make this a multi generational family business." He said, "If we were to sell this company to ConAgra and Tyson approached us, and over the years many venture capital publicly traded companies have, have approached us, and the answer, you know, pretty easy no." Um, he said. And he named all the people that I grew up in the business with that were like siblings to me that I was on the Billiken and the Bountiful and building sales around the world with. And and he, he named them by name, Dick Scheiber, Raina Mura, Larry Dutton, Katie Nifal, Katie Kane, and and uh, and Jimmy McManus, many others. And he said, if we were to sell this business, they would become numbers. And they're not numbers, they're my family. And and so I think that that the ability, uh, public companies, venture, venture capital companies, just want to you know give things a shave and a haircut, turn it over, and and uh, and and uh, onto the next ownership, um, kind of like renting a business. Um, publicly traded companies are really uh, looking for next month or next quarter, and how they're going to have their, their 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 reporting. And we're really thinking about the next generation. As we look to rebuild our infrastructure in Alaska, um, we're looking for the next generation, not next quarter. So I think that that it was what really, his commitment was to the Trident family members and all of our stakeholders, communities, fishermen, um, and knowing that you had to think long-term if you were gonna remain in this business, because you know the seasonality of it, you know the global markets, and headwinds and tailwinds you you report on it every day drew and and with that without that long-term vision it's really hard to 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 be in this industry so i think it was the people and the investment strategy that um that led him to to um to that ultimate decision of of remaining private fisherman owned so alaska is uh yeah obviously it's a it's a special place. It's a complex place. It's not an easy place to do business logistically, culturally. But how do you think Trident has has managed over the years to make that uh, all work? Whereas a lot of other companies have, have had a really hard time. A lot of companies have sold out. A lot of companies have thrown in the towel. Um, what's been the difference? You think? Uh, I would say one our our DNA of we're just just. Humble, hungry, hardworking people. Um, that that that's number one. Number two is the diversification of our company, both vertically and horizontally. I think Trident is synonymous with Alaska. It it, it is our heartbeat. It's our soul, and we we fit. We uh, yeah. It 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 fits who we are, and um, and and the DNA of Trident. I was born in Kodiak. Um, spent. My whole life back and forth between uh, between Seattle and all the remote parts of Alaska, and um, and uh, and then the continued reinvestment. Drew, um, you know, <laughs> never paid a dividend uh, of the company to himself or his shareholders. So um, he he reinvested everything back in, and I think that 
if you go back to the Magnus and Stevens Act in, in 1976, he made that commitment to, to Ted Stevens and Warren Magnuson. He said, if you if you Americanize this fishery and you put a 200 mile limit in place, I will reinvest every dollar of profit to Americanize these fisheries. But that was his commitment, and he did it. And and, and some people say, well, you you know you invest outside of Alaska, and and I say we invest in Alaska and we invest for Alaska. So if you look at our investments in the lower 48, and of course Carrollton, Bontley, Everett. We add value to the great resources of Alaska. If you look at Pick and Pack in Germany, we invest it to value add wild Alaska pollock. Uh, if you look at Japan, same thing, our, our plants in Onagawa and Tomi, those recent investments to manufacture Kanikama uh, uh, and, and, and breaded fish portions in Japan. Same thing with our, our partnership or joint venture in China. So we're investing in Alaska and for Alaska. So Alaska is is part of our soul and 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 couldn't and it just fits who we are. Are you concerned with uh, with climate change and and all the changes that are happening in the in the waters in Alaska? A company that's so dependent on wild resources. How do you think about that? How do you factor that into your kind of long term planning? Certainly, that's that's a great question, Drew. We feel extremely blessed, and you've traveled to all the same events I have, Barcelona, the Groundfish Forum, all over the world. You've met all these these global leaders and and our fisheries management between Alaska Department of Fish and Game and the, the National Marine Fisheries Service, we're the envy of the world because of the world class science and leadership we have in those two agencies, and I feel extremely confident in the science um, scientific based approach that that we have in Alaska, and continuously from RFM to MSC to others, um, we're we're receiving accolades for. The great fisheries management and and good science is ever evolving. We have the the biggest run and well they've been tracking sockeye for 130 years and had our biggest run. And when things change and they 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 have been changing since the beginning of time and they will continue to change. Um, Alaska has continued to to because of that continental shelf and the the upwelling of um, the, the you know the the plankton that 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 comes up there to feed the, that wholesome food chain, um, there's there's fisheries that are really strong and there's fisheries that, that are in rebuilding mode. But because of the, the, the health of the Bering Sea and the great management systems of National Marine Fisheries Service and um, Alaska Department of Fish and Game, I'm unbelievably optimistic about our future and bullish that we'll continue to reinvest in, in Alaska. You've spent a lot of time too, I know in recent years, uh, focusing on uh, you know, on building up the Alaska Pollock brand. I know you're going to correct me and say wild Alaska Pollock. Wild but, Alaska Pollock. But, right. but, yeah. but, but you've spent a lot of time uh, investing in that, investing in the U.S. market. And um, just it, tell me a little bit about uh, that that decision because uh, prior to that, a lot of uh, Trident's uh, markets were um, really, or, or your, your uh, focus was a bit more on, uh, overseas. Um, so what kind of clicked or what light bulb went on that, that, uh, you know, where you said, Hey, we've got this market on our, uh, on our doorstep. So there's several key, um, pivotal points. Uh, one was a strategic planning session we had about eight years ago where we walked out there and says, Oh my gosh, we just looked at the whole company as a whole and said, well, we are a wild Alaska Pollock company. Um, every species is very important to us, Drew, but, um, 
that access to that resource was key. But um, I will say that the biggest driving force was uh, Senator Murkowski and Sullivan's commitment to the nomenclature protection in the um, in the United States market. Uh, before that, we would go out and sell Alaska Pollock, and and importers would bring in. Well, I have you know Alaska Pollock out of China as well. It was caught in Russia. Um, processed in China, phosphates added to it, moisture retention agents, and it was not quite the quality that we were producing in Alaska. It was far, far inferior. And but it, they would say, well, I have it too. So as you're competing on the street, if there's no no differentiation, um, it's 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 a difficult sale. So thank you to uh, to our Alaska senators and the support they got from the, the the Washington delegation to ensure that the only people that can sell Alaska Pollock in the United States is fish that's harvested in Alaska. Around the world, as you know, the the nomenclature is the common nomenclature is it's a, a Alaska Pollock regardless of where it's caught or processed. So that was a big, big um, uh, advantage for us when that when that law uh, took place, I think six or seven years ago to give us the ability to go out and promote and then the, the the research we did with consumers is if you had a choice of eating farm raised or wild, the vast majority of the uh, consumers want to eat wild harvest seafood. Uh, if you had a choice of eating Chinese Pollock or Russian Pollock or wild Alaska Pollock, the vast majority of the consumers would want to eat a wild Alaska Pollock. So um, that that nomenclature protection, the ability to you know, sell this this uh, this beautiful product um, and protect the name. It gave us that ability. So, uh, just so you know, we 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 promoted and 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 through pick and pack through our value added plants in Japan and China and sell it throughout uh, Latin America. So we we continue to promote wild Alaska pollock, but we feel fortunate that we have the nomenclature protection in the United States. So, just shifting a little bit more to you. Um being in charge of this company, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of people want to be like their their fathers or, or mothers, and um, there's a lot of people out there that are in family companies, uh, maybe take over the next generation. But it's it's the the difference, at least from my point of view, for the tasks that you've had to take on is that your your dad. I don't think there's any better way to say it than he was larger than life. I mean, the the force of 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 Chuck's personality and how that was uh, kind of inseparable from the Trident brand. How then, tell me about when you were uh, stepping into your role, what was that like? First of all, my, my dad, dad was larger than life and, uh, and such an amazing human being. As I said earlier, they, they broke the mold when they made Chuck Bunder. So uh, trying to um, following his footsteps. I think I've been really fortunate to surround myself with really great people that have helped shape <clears throat> Trident into what it is today. And um, yeah, my, my dad was my, my biggest supporter um, from the time, from an early age. Um, he was hard on me, but he was very, very encouraging and, um, and encouraging me to, to, to lead in my own way. My approach has been to to build uh, teams that can. Um, and 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 a good friend of mine wrote a book called The Breakthrough Company that kind of uh, led my vision of what we should do with Trident. 
and it's really interesting too. They they the book talks about entrepreneurial companies are started by a quote unquote king. Not that my dad believed he was a king; he was just a hard driving guy. But the the book says it started by a king. And then when the king slows down, the tribal elders take over, and they know what the king would want them to do, so they keep doing that. And in order to be a breakthrough company, which I really think that Triton is uh, on our way to becoming uh, uh, another chapter in my friend's book uh, because of what he's taught us, is you have to take the crown off the king and you have to put it on the organization. So I don't think I've ever wanted to or tried to fill my dad's shoes. I think what I've wanted to do is crown the organization and that's what we all serve. And how do we create systems and processes and relationships and, and things that that serve the organization. So I, I don't think I, first of all, no one ever could. There was only one Chuck Fundred, but uh, I don't, yeah, I, I wanna, I, I look back on my career, I wanna say we crowned the organization and we built something to last. And, uh, and, and, and certainly my dad's personality and DNA is something we, and his morals, his values, his humility, his drive, is something that we have as our cornerstone values here at Triton. The crown, the crown is, is, is clearly on the organization, and that's what we serve. Looking, looking ahead, uh, fifty years is a is a big milestone, um, and I mean the world is changing so quickly. The seafood industry changing so quickly. Um, what's what what what's it like when when you and i are here 50 years from now at uh what in our late 90s um early 100s when we're we're talking about where trident is i believe that that science technology um innovation will continue every step of the supply chain for us drew and that starts with technology to improve the way that we harvest our fish technology and science to improve how we manage our resources, science and technology in our in our pro- primary processing plants in Alaska, and of course, innovation for new products to um, make it more convenient and, and, uh, and better for consumers as well. So we are investing in science and technology right now in every aspect of our business, from harvesting to primary processing to secondary processing. Reinvestment in the in in this industry will be key for our long term success, and that's another thing that that venture capital and and, uh, and and publicly traded companies. It's a very capital intense business when you're operating in remote sites in Alaska, right? You've got 100 mile an hour winds, freezing, thawing, salt air on your plant property equipment over and over. Um, you've just got to you know got to continually reinvest. Um, and 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 search for for new technology to make you a better company. But I will will say we've got a lot of bright, talented people here who are focused on continuous improvement every step of the way. Looking back on uh, on your uh, your time in Trident, uh, what would you say for you was? I don't want to say biggest mistake. I won't do that to you. But what was kind of your mm-hmm. biggest? your biggest moment of challenge and then uh, don't worry i'm going to let you say what your your uh what your um happiest <laughs> happiest uh, victory was too i i will i will say it's very easy to answer and i've answered this for other people before when dad acquired uh, tyson seafoods we didn't get any salespeople with the with the acquisition they all went with the lewis kemp side right now i don't know if you remember that but they sold um 
the fishing assets to Trident and they sold the, uh, the Lewis Kemp site to International Home Foods and all the salespeople. So we acquired all this inventory and we put it into our computer system. And I think it was January 24th, 1999. And we didn't know if that, that fish was a month old or six years old. And, uh, and, and when we were interviewed for the Costco Connection yesterday, years ago, they asked my dad, do you ever buy that foreign you could chew? And he said, no. And I said, well, it was this one time. And I used the descriptor of, I felt like my dad had a bull, I was in a hole and he had a bulldozer and he kept shoveling this fish in, and all I had was a shovel and I was going as fast as I could. And we were trying to create markets all over, all around the world. And, and it was, uh, it was, yeah, Torn joined us at that time and it helped, helped bail us out. But it, uh, it was certainly, that was one time that was probably the biggest challenge just because it was such a great acquisition for access to resource, but we weren't as uh, professionalized as we are today. And with the, with the tracking systems and the, everything, we're, you know, done on spreadsheets and things, it was a uh, 1999 was probably the yeah we were working really hard to move that move that fish. And we'd have a meeting every morning at seven o'clock, and he wanted to report from everybody what we sold the day before. And and uh, yeah, but it was a, looking back, it was a uh, it was, it was, it's like anything, Drew, I think most people would say this, that the most difficult times in your life, you look back and they, they shaped you and they, they, they developed you and, and you grew. So I would say that, that not only did the company grow and, and develop, but I grew and, and developed as well. So, well, that was a, um, a very, very, uh, difficult time. <laughs> It, we made it through it, and, and uh, looking back, it, 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 uh, it that access to resource, you know, remember that was 1999 was a year that rationalization came into play. Everybody has those victories in their career where they say, wow, that that went wonderful. Uh, we played that just right. What was yours? I would say that the uh, the uh, the whole salmon burger and, and relationship with McDonald's and how that came about, and it's, it's in the um, epilogue of, of my dad's book, but... Uh, we worked for four years to develop a product for McDonald's. They decided they didn't want it. Uh, we took it and lost it at Costco, and it changed the the pink salmon industry. If you remember back, what our, what my, my dad had come into my office and said, "We've got to help these pink salmon fishermen. They're getting paid six or seven cents a pound. They can't pay their their insurance, and and you know it's 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 they just can't. Their livelihood is not viable if we can't you know create homes for." pink salmon and uh, so we created that salmon burger and it's um it, it certainly changed the industry because you created demand for an existing resource law supply and demand says if you create more demand for fixed supply what happens so um the fact that we were able to increase the value for everybody our fishermen their crew members uh, you look at the community of cordova um the the hatcheries it's just it's just a great great success story so I would say that our, our ultimate fish sticks um, are another one that that uh, part of that journey um, that that uh, yeah bringing you know, I, you know before that time fish sticks I think if you looked at, at consumption were on the decline but you bring a, a deep skin frozen at sea 35% breading uh, product to market um, and it's just driven great demand for wild Alaska pollock so. I would say those two stories I look back on and, and they're cornerstone pillar items for not only Trident, but everybody benefits, our, our fleet, our communities, 
um, with the success of those resources. So I would say those creating new products that drive demand, uh, looking back, uh, is something that Trident Seafoods can be proud of. I remember the christening of the Billiken. I was eight years old. I remember it clearly. To be sitting here 50 years later um, is is truly humbling. And I know that there's no way in hell that Trident would be here without our many stakeholders. And that goes, you know, I, I repeated communities, fishermen, employees, customers, and even competitors that make us sharpen our axe every day and work harder. Um, and it, it, it is a great industry. Um, Trident's honored to be a part of it. I'm honored to have spent my career in it. Um, and I'm just so appreciative of this industry and being a part of it. And I'm so optimistic about, about what the, the teams at Trident are working on right now. It's uh, the future is very bright. Thanks for taking the time, Joe.